Pray with me, please. Be with us this morning, God. Quiet our hearts. May our spirits be still, that we might hear from you. Amen. For my word will not return unto me void, saith the Lord, but will accomplish that for which I purpose it. Hopeful words, for sure. But try quoting these words to the Jews in exile, weeping there beside the Tigris River. These dispirited folks wondering how they could ever sing songs to Yahweh in a foreign land. All that had once seemed so certain and so stable for them had now been upended. Everything they thought they'd understood about worship irrevocably altered. Here there was no temple. So here they feared there no longer even was Yahweh God. Sing songs of Yahweh here in this foreign land? How, they wondered. How? I want us to engage in an act of imagination this morning. I want us to picture in our mind's eye one of these members of the exiled community. Perhaps a priest from the line of Levi, let's say. In whatever case, I want us to picture someone who's well acquainted with the Torah, the Jewish Bible. And I want us to picture this person who, given the cultural circumstances of the time, was no doubt a man. And I want us to picture him one day inviting a group of exiles to come meet at his house to discuss a passage of Torah and to reflect on it together. And I want us then to imagine that this went well, that it was meaningful for this small group of people and that it therefore became something that he and this small band of friends began to do weekly, each Sabbath day. And then I want us to imagine that as the few gathered each week began to find deeper and deeper meaning and comfort and hope through this new observance, that they then began to share of this experience with other friends. And thus I want us to imagine that some more then joined in. So much so that soon enough, the gathered group, which let's say at this point is 12 to 15 people, had now become so big that they could no longer fit more people into the house of our imagined leader. And so I want us to imagine our imagined leader then encouraging another member of the exilic community, someone who's also well-versed in the Torah, to begin doing the same. So that now the next thing we know, we have several little groups gathering each Sabbath day to read Scripture and to reflect upon it and to pray together. And now let us imagine that someone in one of these groups one day suddenly speaks up and says, perhaps 
Let us sing some of our songs of Yahweh here. For while we didn't think we could sing songs of Yahweh here without our temple, now somehow, to all of our great surprise, this just feels right. So let us imagine that they now begin to sing songs at this gathering. Then let us imagine that this goes on and spreads and is passed down from decade to decade during the exile, from generation to the next generation to the next generation, at which point, finally, the Jews in exile are set free from Babylon and are allowed to return to Israel where they are permitted to rebuild their temple. And let us imagine that as they return, they return a different people. A people who have learned a new way of worship. A new way that has been formed under the circumstances and pressures of a changed reality that they were at first disheartened and dispirited by. This, dear family, what we've just imagined is how synagogues and rabbis became central aspects of Jewish worship. Because before the exile, the temple was the center. This changed everything. And so as we close this work of imagination together, I want us to once more picture that one man, that one man who had no idea what would come of his invitation to friends to come to his house to pray and to read Scripture together. That one man that we imagined whose faithfulness bequeathed a bounty that he could never have fathomed. My word will not return unto me void, saith the Lord, but will accomplish that for which I purpose it. Okay, enough with that act of imagination. Now let us perform another one. Aren't we having fun? Now let us imagine another member of that exiled community. One who was a child at the beginning of the exile and who in her old age was still alive to return with the community to the promised land. Let us picture her as one who has been shaped by this new synagogue system. But who also has deep memories of how things used to be. And who's not so quietly pining for things to return to how they were in the glory days. Back when the first majestic temple was still standing. Let us picture her with those gathered that day when the foundation of the new temple was being laid. The moment captured in our scripture lesson from Ezra chapter 3. Let us picture her there. And as we hear the shouts and the cheers and the screams of joy that surround her, let us watch her as she in sadness begins to weep. Some older people who had seen the first house on its foundation wept with a loud voice, the scripture says, though many others shouted aloud for joy. Yes, there among those weeping, let us picture our imagined woman 
But then let us also remember, my word will not return unto me void, saith the Lord, but will accomplish that for which I purpose it. Okay, enough with the acts of imagination. Now for a cold, hard fact. Church attendance in America is down precipitously from what it was 25 years ago, even even 10 years ago. This is true across the board from little country churches who are having to close their doors to megachurches who still technically have thousands showing up on Sundays but who, to scale, are losing just as many participants on Sunday mornings as are all other countries across the country, excuse me, churches across the country. It's not only has Sunday morning become contested ground for competing activities in a way that it never has been before. But people in general, and younger people in particular, are now more than ever uncertain of whether being part of a faith community is really that important in their everyday lives at all. Study after study, stat after stat bears this out. And there is no doubt much in this to grieve and to lament, But to pretend otherwise is to court delusion. And to simply wish for the return of the glory days is to be unfaithful to the moment and to the circumstances that God is calling the church to today. In short, this is a moment in church history when many, and I have no doubt many here at Boulevard, look around at less capacious Sunday gatherings and at un- or underutilized spaces on church campuses and think to themselves, oh, for the days when this place was full. Oh, for the days when this place was busier. Oh, for the days when the temple still stood tall. Well, I'm going to keep today's sermon brief, for I will be building on it in coming weeks. But for today, amid this changing reality, I simply want to plant this deeply important word from the Lord in your heart and in your mind and in your spirit. My word will not return unto me void, saith the Lord, but will accomplish that for which I purpose it. This church and every other church and every other synagogue today and the entire Judeo-Christian approach to worship, none of this would be possible. None of this would exist today were it not for the quiet faithfulness of that man and that woman whom we imagined and the countless others like them. For when the glory days for them seemed to have passed, these folks and those like them took to the simple acts of reading scripture together and praying together and singing together and simply being together before the Lord our God. And so the point of today's sermon is simply to say that today this is what the American church needs more than anything, far more than innovative techniques or slick marketing. 
Far more than charismatic leaders or flashy new programs. Far more than relevant preaching and trendy activism. What the American church needs more than anything is people who are committed to doing the simple, unflashy work of meeting together and praying together and reading scripture together and singing together and breaking bread together and simply being and beholding together. What the church needs desperately is people who are committed to doing the hard but hopeful work of being together as community and trusting then that God will take our simple faithfulness and will do with it that which we could never ourselves fathom. Trusting. Just think. One man, one woman, countless others like them. Their names long forgotten, but their lives, the very reason we are gathered here today. The kingdom of God is like unto a mustard seed, says Jesus. The smallest of all seeds that when fully grown becomes the largest of all trees. Oh, the gospel of our Lord. As we embark on this sermon series, dear family, remember this. My word will not return unto me void, saith the Lord. But will accomplish forever and always till kingdom come that for which. I purpose it. All God's people said, Amen. So now at this juncture in our worship service, I want to draw our attention to our deacons who will be assuming the office of deacon for this church year. And I invite Butch Hughes, our outgoing deacon chair, for whom we are immensely grateful. Butch, thanks for all you've done this year. Invite Butch to come forward, who will lead these deacons along with our whole church in a liturgy of installation and commissioning. These servant leaders have accepted the call to shepherd our church's deacons. Might the small daily seeds of ministry that they plant among us this year grow quietly, gradually, steadily, unassumingly into indispensable parts of God's coming kingdom. Butch. To our eight ordinance and deacons that we'll be installing today. Do you trust that you are truly called by God to the deacon ministry of this church? Are you committed to ministering to those in need?
to explaining salvation in Jesus, and to calling forth greater discipleship in Christ. Will you seek to provide an upright example by your total life, your words, your attitudes, your behavior, and your family life that will point others to Christ? Are you committed to upholding the fellowship of God's church in Boulevard Baptist Church, doing all you can to support, affirm, and undergird its ministry through your presence, possessions, talents, and witness? To all Boulevard Baptist Church members, these are the people that you have chosen. You have heard their declaration of readiness to serve in the office of deacon. Do you trust that these people are, by the grace of God, worthy to be installed and ordained as deacons? Trust they are worthy. To God be the glory. Having now installed and commissioned this year's deacon body, let us turn to a holy and sacred moment in the life of Boulevard Baptist Church. We will now ordain Vicki Ashley, Matt Chambers, Jackie Davison, Dale Jones, Deborah McInerney, Sandra Poor, Mandy Smith, and Allison Stoddard to the diaconate of Boulevard Baptist. Having been called by God and the membership of this church, these eight children of God have responded affirmatively to that call. Today we move to affirm them. That is, we affirm the call that God has placed upon their lives and we affirm our trust in them as deacons for our church community. And we will express this affirmation through the ancient practice of the laying on of hands. Practice going back to the earliest days of the Christian church. The laying on of hands represents the impartation of a blessing. But more even than that, it represents an impartation of God's Holy Spirit. When we place our hands on these individuals, 